Please stand as you're able. Today's Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien residents in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, Meryl, for reading our lesson this morning, and welcome uh, to all of you. I want to add my word of greeting to that of Adam's uh, grace and peace to you in the name of Christ. Uh, Good to see so many of you in person, and of course, many of you are online joining us today, and it's a great honor to share in worship and praise uh, with you. We've had really good attendance today for a pea soup kind of day, uh, cloudy and rainy. Uh, early service this morning, my mother, who's about 85, I didn't expect her to be here, and, and I saw her, and I said, Mother, I didn't expect you to come today. It's pretty cold and rainy. And she said, Well, I wasn't going to come until I saw that you were preaching on the fourth commandment, and I decided maybe I ought to, to be here today. <laughs> And I was glad to see her. I've tried to raise her well, and uh, she, she's done well through the years. Um, I'm grateful for her and for her witness and her, uh, the way that she has cared and prayed for all of her children. Uh, there's something about uh, rainy days and Sundays that are so meaningful, and today feels very contemplative. It is a good day to reflect and to praise God and to study his word. So thank you for your presence here and Meryl for reading all of our musicians, the way we started this service. Uh, Patsy and Greg, what a beautiful way to, to enter into worship. And we look forward to hearing from our chancel choir as well. Well, the first thing you notice or that I notice about the fourth commandment is the contrast to the previous three commandments that are stated before it. This commandment is different in that it is stated in the positive. And if you read the Decalogue as a whole, eight of the 10 commandments are expressed in the negative. In fact, they are prohibitions. And we've talked about three of them. No other gods before me, no idols, no graven images, and don't misuse the name of God. Don't profane or take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But this decree, the fourth decree, is not a prohibition. It's actually an appeal for a positive action. It's very simple. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. The word in Hebrew, which is the ancient language in which the Old Testament was first written, the word for Sabbath is Shabbat, which literally means to stop. It means to desist, to cease, and to rest. Among the ancient Hebrews, a proper observance of Shabbat demands that all work, all labor, cease. And as you know, it starts on Friday at sundown, Jewish worship, and ends on Saturday at dusk. But in between, there are prayers. Some of them are structured traditional prayers, 
There were two candles that are lit, usually by the female, the mother in the house. One signifies our need to remember and the other to observe or to, to participate, to reenact. It also includes meals, family gathering at the table, and teaching, Bible reading in the synagogue. But any activity that contributes to personal profit or personal gain is strictly forbidden on the Sabbath. Dallas Willard, some of you know, has written a number of wonderful books. One called The Great Omission explains Sabbath like this. The command is do no work, just make space, attend to what is around you, learn that you don't have to do in order to be, and here's the hardest, accept the grace of doing nothing. Stay with it until you stop jerking and squirming. Uh, one of my best friends who's a pastor in North Georgia, he's watching today, I think, whenever I call him, he's retired now, whenever I call him and say, uh, D, what are you doing? He says, nothing. And I say, I, I thought you did that yesterday. And he said, well, I did, but I didn't finish. Um, <laughs> he is enjoying his fourth year of retirement. He is in a permanent Sabbath. But I did notice he is just now beginning to stop jerking and squirming after 42 years of ministry. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Holy, hagios means set apart, different, distinct, peculiar. It's a different day. Rabbinical tradition lists, get this, 39 categories of acts that are specifically forbidden on the Sabbath. Let me share a few with you. Plowing, sowing, reaping, binding, threshing, winnowing, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, beating wool, drying wool, spinning, weaving, tying, untying, sewing, tearing, trapping, tanning, writing two or more letters, erasing two or more letters, building, demolishing, extinguishing a fire, building a fire, and transporting an object more than six feet, just to name a few. They were meticulous in their interpretation. Some of you know when we were in Jerusalem, if you traveled last year with us, we stayed in a hotel where there was actually an Orthodox Jewish elevator, which on the Sabbath will stop at every floor so that no one has to press the button. It's serious. I grew up in West End, in the West End area off of Whitland Avenue, Blakemore United Methodist Church there. And just down the road was, is the synagogue, you know, and my dad was taking his walk one day. I was just a boy and it was on a Saturday morning and the rabbi came running out from the synagogue and said, oh, Brother Chapel, could you come in and turn the lights on for us? Our maintenance left and we need someone to turn on the lights for us. And my dad said, I've been trying to turn on the lights for you people for years. <laughs> and, and, and they were good friends and they had this wonderful laugh and my dad went in and turned on the lights. This is serious business, Sabbath. Now you may think by those illustrations that it sounds totally impractical, but that's the point. Life is not designed to be purely practical. And the Sabbath given by God helps us to guard against what I think is the most common form of idolatry in the world, work. 
We often make our productivity, our proficiency, our effectiveness the key core value of our lives. But we are not human doings. We're human beings. So necessary was Shabbat in ancient Israel that if you flip over 11 chapters, Merrill, from what you read in Exodus 31, you will find that breaking the fourth command was a capital crime punishable by death. I think that's why if you turn over to Matthew 12, Jesus got into some hot water one day with the religious elders when he healed a man with a lame hand, a withered hand on the Sabbath. The Pharisees were outraged and they thought to themselves, there are six other days for him to heal. Why must he violate the fourth commandment? And Jesus reminded them of an important point that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. In other words, it's okay to do good on the Sabbath for others. If the rabbinical law could make an exception, and they did for the farmer to get his ox out of the ditch, then surely Jesus can lift a hurting soul out of the rut of his disability. I mean, let's face it, there's some work that has to go on. We're blessed in this community with doctors and nurses. Medical needs don't just go away because it's Sunday. I, for one, am grateful for doctors and nurses who care for us on the Sabbath. And by the way, for pastors and priests, for production, for AV folks, for for church and staff personnel and maintenance people who serve on the Sabbath. Uh, We always meet at 7.15 before worship starts at 8.30. We meet for a production meeting and go through the worship time. And I began by thanking our staff for violating the fourth commandment this morning. Now, we have to have a day. And my Sabbath happens to be Monday. That's why I invite you to come to church with your complaints at the first of the week because I'm usually taking my Sabbath on Monday. But we can't become so legalistic that we make the Sabbath more of a burden than a blessing. That we make it sometimes more about restriction than about liberation. It is a gift of God that frees us from the mundane. By the way, the rationale for Sabbath, the reason for Sabbath is built in the creation itself. We just read it a moment ago. I wanna read it again, chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And by the way, if you don't know, that is a direct reference to the creation poem in Genesis 1 and 2. In short, we rest because God rests. It's a part of the rhythm and pace of creation. I think sometimes that if the maker of the universe takes one day off in seven, then what in the world makes you think you can go 24-7? God is not a workaholic. God does not affirm workaholism. And the world is not a place designed simply for endless production and motion. You need rest. We need rest. 
And this command is not just for humankind, by the way, it's for all kinds. I mean all kinds. This is me at three o'clock this afternoon. It's for, listen, it's for livestock, it's for creatures, it's for animals, it's for servants, refugees, aliens, it's even for the land to rest. And isn't it interesting that Jesus picks up on this in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you Shabbat, rest. Now I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it too. It's not easy to rest. In fact, there are some of us who when we rest, we actually feel guilty that we're stopping. I mean, we're in Williamson County. We're so driven. We're, we're so determined, ambitious. We're programmed to perform, to compete, to achieve, and to accomplish. And by the way, that's, that's not bad. I was reading an article recently in the Wall Street Journal about the decline of the American work ethic. And whether you agree with the article or not, this was the point he was making. The writer was speaking of a workforce that is today increasingly doing just enough to get by. In fact, the writer said there's a new phrase that's mentioned about this. It's called, listen to this, act your wage. That is, if you're not getting paid what you think you deserve, then act your wage. Don't go the second mile. But over against this notion, I think of Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as though you're working for the Lord, not for men, knowing that you will receive your reward from the Lord whom you are serving. So when you search the scriptures, there's there's not a hint in scripture that would advocate that work is unimportant. A good work ethic is absolutely necessary. But I'm telling you, so is a good rest ethic. It's built within creation. In choral music, the rest sign is essential. You, You cannot sing forever without a measure of rest. The rest sign is a a critical part of the musical score because without it, you're gonna run out of breath. You're gonna run out of steam and you've gotta breathe. You can't just exhale every moment. And so even a quarter note of rest, one beat, in that one beat, there is the making of music. And so it is with the Sabbath. It is God's permission for you to breathe. It is God's mandate for us to be still, to tend to the care of the soul, to disconnect in order to reconnect and to rest. Pastor John Ortberg, who's written a number of books, some of you have read, tells of being involved in a very fast-paced ministry in Chicago in earlier days. He said, I was struggling between the demands of church and home. The pace was taxing and my soul was suffering. He said, one day I decided to call a wise mentor who had influenced me and ask him for spiritual direction. I dialed him on the phone and I asked this one simple question. What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? 
John said there was a long pause and then came this reply. John, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John said, okay, I've written that down. What else? (laughs) Another lengthy pause after which his friend said, John, there is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ortberg said, I have concluded since then that my life and the well-being of the people that I serve depends on my following that prescription because hurry is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. Hurry will destroy your soul. End of quote. William Longstaff, who was the song leader for William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, wrote a beautiful song 150 years ago called Take Time to Be Holy. We're going to sing it in a few minutes. And I don't know if you've discovered it or not, but it takes time to be holy. I have tried for 62 years and I have never found a way to be holy in a hurry. Being holy is not about microwave spirituality. It is crockpot stuff. You have to simmer. You have to sit. You have to be still. I heard about a third grade teacher who asked one of her students, a third grader, eight years old, uh, what, what are you going to be when you grow up? And she said, tired. <laughs> well, welcome to the real world. Stanley Hauerwas at Duke University in the theology school once said, most pastors are a quivering mass of availability. God forgive us. It's interesting, there's a parallel text to Exodus 20 in Deuteronomy 5. In other words, you find the Decalogue from Exodus 20 also in Deuteronomy 5, but it's a little bit of a different rendition. In fact, in Deuteronomy 5, on this fourth command, there is another dimension added to Sabbath. It states that part of the purpose of Sabbath is not only to remember God's creative purpose, but also to remember God's redemptive action in Egypt. It is a time, according to Deuteronomy, to recall that we once were slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand so that we have to keep this day sacred. So for the Israelites, the Sabbath is a sign of their loyalty to Yahweh over Pharaoh. Let me explain. When Moses went to Pharaoh, you remember, to demand the release of the Hebrew slaves, it wasn't just for freedom's sake, it was for worship's sake. He said, let my people go that they may celebrate a festival, a Sabbath to the Lord in the wilderness. In other words, we need a holy day, a holiday. Their request, however, was perceived by the Pharaoh as an act of defiance because he himself believed himself to be a God worthy of worship. And so Pharaoh taunted Moses, who is, who is the Lord that I should heed him, let Israel go? I've never even heard of Yahweh. And you remember what Pharaoh did? He increased their workload. He made their life harder. 
The Hebrews now had to gather their own straw for brick baking while still producing the same quota of bricks. So Pharaoh's strategy, while brilliant, was inhumane. He couldn't silence them, but he kept them busy. Too busy to pray. Too busy to worship. Too busy to reflect. Too busy to remember. Too busy to rest. He demanded constant production 24-7. And in the process, he reduced them to human doings. Albert Schweitzer was right when he said, if your soul has no Sabbath, it becomes an orphan. But God made a way. God intervened. And the whole purpose of their deliverance was worship. Keeping Sabbath is a sign to the world that our devotion is not to any earthly Pharaoh. It is to the God of creation. It is to the God of Exodus, the God of deliverance, the God of Jesus, the God of the resurrection. And that's why we observe it. And that's why we keep it holy. Last word. Sabbath not only binds us to God, to God's creative and redemptive purpose, but Sabbath also connects us to community. And this is so critical. Sabbath makes of us a family. It connects us to fellowship, to koinonia, that not only deepens our relationship with God, but also with each other and widens our witness. By the way, this was a core value for the early church after Pentecost. Acts 2.42 says, after the birth of the church, listen, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to Scripture. They devoted themselves to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship. And I don't know about you, but I have sensed in these last several weeks and months a deep hunger for fellowship, especially after a season of isolation and quarantine. Mark Thibodeau, and this is my last word, and I mean it this time. Mark Thibodeau is a Jesuit priest and spiritual director who wrote a book called Armchair Mystic, and he makes this interesting observation about our need for community. Not only do I need friends who share in my desires and convictions, And not only do I need mentors who can support, encourage, and advise me as I journey to God, but I also need a community with whom I can participate in the proclamation of the word and the celebration that all the words mean to me. Like the baby Jesus, I need a holy family to belong to. I need to belong to something bigger than myself. If I don't, then I run the risk of developing a sort of God and me spirituality with no support system to hold me up when I'm weak, no prophets to challenge me when I'm wrong, and no party mates with whom I may celebrate the Lord's goodness in my life. End of quote. This is the why of Sabbath. It's not a burden to bear. It's a gift to share. And I think it's what keeps us 
sane and humane, connected and faithful. The clear promise of Sabbath, says Barbara Brown Taylor, is that those who rest like God find themselves free like God, no longer slaves to the thousand compulsions that send others rushing to their graves. And here's the thing, when you keep the Sabbath holy, it will keep you holy. May it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen.